the Anesthesia Podcast. Welcome everybody uh, to the Anesthesia, latest Anesthesia video podcast. Uh, my name is Michael Irwin. I'm a professor of anesthesia at the University of Hong Kong and also one of the editors of the journal Anesthesia. And today we're going to be talking about an interesting uh, manuscript which we've just put up on early view. So you can go to the Anesthesia website and uh, download that, have a look at that. Uh, the paper is entitled Postoperative Pulmonary Complications in Older Patients Undergoing Elective Surgery with the Superglottic Airway Device or Trapeal Intubation. So I think this is a, a topic which is uh, important for most of us because of the extensive use of these devices. And we have <clears throat> three of the authors of this paper, actually including myself, but we have two of the more important authors with us today. We have uh, Professor First of all, Professor uh, Lee Kun Yang, uh, who is a professor of anesthesia at, uh, and chief of anesthesiology at the Renji Hospital in Shanghai, Jiao Tong University School of Medicine. And along with him, we have Dr. Ling Tu, who's a second year uh, resident at the Renji Hospital. Uh, she's um, uh, in her anesthesia training. She also has uh, some experience in basic science with a, with a PhD as well as her, her MD. So the, the paper, uh, just to maybe remind you, if I can read through, is looking at these two devices in older patients who were undergoing elective non-cardiothoracic surgery with positive pressure ventilation. And uh, the uh, objective was to determine whether there was uh, any difference in postoperative pulmonary complications compared to the use of maybe perhaps more standard use of tracheal tube, which we see in many parts of the world. Now, in my, my experience in Asia has been that that, uh, that the subglottic airway devices are not used quite as frequently as I've seen in Europe, and, and there's a tendency to prepare use of tracheal tube. So I think this paper is actually quite important because uh, the, the demonstration that there were actually less uh, postoperative pulmonary complications with the use of a supercotic airway is something which I think a lot of my colleagues here would not uh, have expected. Uh, you know, there's a kind of a little bit of a prejudice and perspective that perhaps there is a higher there would be a higher instance of complications with uh, with the supercotic airway device, particularly with positive pressure ventilation. Uh, so the, the fact that you found the opposite is, is, I think, particularly interesting. So perhaps the first question I should ask then, and to uh, Professor Yang, is uh, why did the study in the first place? Uh, actually, in many years of uh, anesthetic uh, clinical practice, we get to use another choice of uh, airway control. Uh, rather than intubations. We now, nowadays we get, get the subglottic airways, especially the nasal mask. So someone said the nasal mask is very easy to placement and let less throat and also have many, many advantages, but still have some problem like higher aspiration risk or suitable for high airway pressure uh, like that. So some studies uh, previously compared the 
different uh, these two different uh, airway stitches then the most of them are not so robust some said that the LMA can decrease the in hospital duration and the mortality, and others in 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 Lancet said associated with fatal complications in infants in infants in small children, and even uh, recently in JAMA, Journal uh, of JAMA in twenty eighteen they found a higher. Uh, Three days survival with LMAs uh, after the out of hospital cardiac arrest. So we we got the hypothesis that uh, few maybe the few composite in hospital operative pulmonary complications complications with LMAs then the church intubation, especially in elder patients having elective surgery with general anesthesia. This is why we try to compare, we try to find the, 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 the advantages of uh, incidence of PPCS when we apply in the Socratic airways. Thanks. Okay. So would you say that there are uh, within your clinical practice in, in Shanghai, uh, that there mm -hmm. is uh, a perception that there would be a higher rate of post-operative com pulmonary complications with the use of supercortic airway devices. Mm -hmm. Is that is that what you're saying? And and uh, that you wanted to demonstrate that this isn't necessarily the case. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, what? Maybe can I ask Dr. Dr. Su, what sort of challenges did you face when you were performing this study? Uh, well, this is the uh, first multicenter study uh, mm -hmm. that our team has ever conducted. So we encountered many, many challenges throughout mm -hmm. the uh, process. Uh, from study planning, design, ethical approval, study contact to data collection and documentation, statistics, manuscript writing, we encountered uh, challenges every step of the way. And uh, I think one big particular challenge was the uh, sample size problem. Briefly, uh, we only uh, took the uh, total sample size for one arm and ended up recruiting more patients than calculated. Uh, but luckily, we uh, gained guidance from experienced researchers and we were able to address this mistake. Um, so we learned a lot from this mistake. You um, taught us to the importance of meticulous planning and double-checking calculations to avoid such errors in the future. Um, it also um, taught us to always seek guidance from experienced researchers. Um, a lot of people helped um, providing valuable insights and navigated this specific challenge for the, uh, the study to complete. So we were really grateful for them. Okay. So also, Dr. Zhu, do you feel that the, that the use of subcortic airway devices in China is, is increasing now, that it's becoming generally more popular compared to tracheal intubation? Um, it, it is, uh, yes, Dr. Zhu, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it has gained great popularity in China because um, probably because they are very easy to insert and they are um, and they have many 
potential benefits in certain clinical scenarios. Mm. So they're really popular now. Personally, I'm conducting anesthesia this morning. I've used SAD for a knee replacement. Okay, yeah. Would you say that uh, for sort of routine elective surgeries, they're used in more than 50% of cases? For elective or, surgeries? Mm -hmm. I think depending on uh, uh, surgical positions, mm -hmm. if uh, the patient can remain supine, uh, then yes. Mm -hmm. Lateral position? Uh, lateral position, uh, probably not for lateral position. Um, because anesthesiologists are concerned for leaking. Okay, yeah, and uh, not not prone. Prone way. But never try. Maybe next time we can try. What I yeah. just I, I have looked some some report about the patients using LMA uh, and the, the the prone position. Prone position is actually hard to hard to insert. Well, it's not we, too much insertion. It's, keep, it's keeping it there is the problem. I'm not right. sure it's certainly uh, worth the risk. Not for all the position, no. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so go back to Professor Yangian. Maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about how you, your study was actually performed, how it was done. Perform. Actually, we... Uh, it's, uh, it's a very, very long, long time to... Yeah. Maybe, let, let's say, maybe break it down a little bit. Um, you you used uh, muscle relaxants in in both groups of yeah. patients. I mean, obviously, you, you, I assume you're using muscle yeah. relaxants to intubate. Did you did you yeah. you also use muscle relaxants in the uh, subglottic yeah. airway group? Yes, uh, they actually have two two choice. When it actually uh, using muscle relaxant, mm -hmm. another is just the or use pop four then. Insert the the uh, the LMA, but we try to we try to we in order to make these two groups compatible, then we use the muscle relaxation when we perform induction of anesthesia, and yeah. also 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 right into the protocols that uh, into the protocols they try to uh, get every center to understand and follow this protocol. Okay, Thanks. good. Yeah. So what about the respiratory parameters, like you know, tidal volume and use of PEEP and so on? Were these the same in both groups? Because yeah. you, you imagine they might have an impact on post-operative pulmonary complications. There have been a lot of number of studies, for example, looking at the use of PEEP uh, during surgery uh, with uh, ET tube. Yeah. They were not the same. As per our study protocol, the use of PIP during anesthesia was left to the discretion of the attending anesthesiologist. So um, uh, in our data, um, LMA group used less PIP than ETI. Um, this is because our uh, uh, our study protocol did not restrict the use of PIP and left that to the decision by the anesthesiologist. Okay. Um, we, we designed the study this way because uh, the potential benefits of intraoperative PIP uh, is still a matter of debate. Mm -hmm. um, 
and uh, the appropriate level of PEEP is also uncertain. Um, uh, in addition, actually, I, I think many anesthetists will decrease the level of PEEP when they apply the supergratic devices. Because the when we try to compare the, the intubation and the, the, the LMA, in LMA groups, usually we don't use the PEEP level higher than five uh, centimeter um, macro. Like yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, statistically, we 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 found that they they have different in the people uh, difference in the the people uh, people's level among these two groups. Uh, Doctor, is there any different? Oh, sorry, do you want to add something? Uh, yeah. This is also the case for a tidal volume because we not yet known um, whether a low tidal volume is protective. Yeah. So we don't okay. restrict that in the protocol. So a pragmatic approach, we would say. Good. Um, Dr. would you say there was a difference in the proportion of patients and incidence of postoperative pulmonary uh, complications between the patients having laparoscopic surgery versus open surgery? Did you break that down at all? Um, based on our results, uh, we yeah. observed 39% of patients who underwent abdominal surgery developed PPC. Um, and the uh, number was about 27% among patients who underwent laparoscopic procedures. But our study is not designed to answer that question. There is one study, though, uh, concluded that open abdominal surgery is a known risk factor for developing PBCs. Mm -hmm. uh, but I our study is Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that these uh, uh, instances are actually quite high, you know, 39% and 27%. But obviously, you were looking at, at uh, fairly minor and transient uh, uh, post-autopulmonary complications. Um, what about the instance of, say, pneumonia compared to the, your primary outcome? Since we're on that, topic. Uh -huh. um, they, they, sorry. Yeah. So, so basically, I'm saying, but the instance of post-operative pulmonary complications is actually quite high. I mean, maybe it, surprisingly so, I, I know in some ways, but um, but you were looking at fairly minor and transient complications, obviously. Uh, and I think the, the audience might be interested in the instance of like serious complications, like pneumonia. Um, and how that compares with your primary outcome? We acknowledge that uh, the primary outcome of our study mainly consisted consisted of minor and transient PPCs. Um, this is due to our study design. Um, mm. Most PPCs developed were classified as grade one to two, and. Uh, I think it's primarily due to the low risk nature of the study population. Uh, in our results, the higher incidence of pneumonia was observed in the SAD group. Um, it can be happened by chance because uh, statistically, statistically, the difference was not significant. Um, also, our uh, study was not significantly 
was not uh, specifically powered to detect differences in pneumonia rates. Yeah. I have yeah. to address that uh, the statistical result was consistent in all of our data set analysis, including ITT, including PP. So um, we cannot conclude that uh, SAD is associated with more pneumonia. Okay, good, thank you very much. So maybe we move on to the uh, implications of the trial, what, what we can sort of learn from this. Um, but Fajiang, what would you say is the most important message that you would like to put out from your study? Yeah, it's actually, in all studies, we, we got a, a primary conclusion is just sepulchral airway may be preferable in healthy elder patients and went no cardiac surgery. If you perform the elder patients and not, not, not emergency, if the patient have no um, contradiction of use supraglottic airways, then just do it. Yes. This is most uh, most important message from this stuff. Thanks. Yes. And given the, the, the fact that we're dealing with uh, older and older patients, uh, and in fact, uh, although we've got a, uh, having an older population uh, because of yeah. advances in the healthcare, many of these patients are actually, you know, reasonably healthy despite their age. So uh, the supraglottic airway device appears to be uh, preferable to uh, endotracheal intubation and that, that important uh, group of patients. So I, I think some, um, you know, the, the, the take-home message is very clear. I think it's a very interesting and pragmatic uh, uh, trial with, with uh, useful uh, results and implications for patient care. Um, just while we've got a little bit of time, I, I think our audience might be interested in, uh, the, you know, anesthesia in China uh, as, a, as, a, as a concept or, or, or whatever. Um, could you tell us something about the current state of anesthesia research in China? Your experience, you know, from a university, a university hospital. I mean, your hospital was now, I think, yeah. nearly 200 years old, I think, isn't it? Mm. 170 mm -hmm. or something. Seen, uh, a lot of, seen a lot of changes over the years. Yeah. Well, from the uh, personal opinion of mine, actually, I served the area of anesthesia and of critical care in nearly 30 years, and I found the great changes. Uh, overall, China is becoming a prominent player in both clinic and laboratory-based research around the world. Consider China's first bigger uh, surgical populations, actually, in years of two uh, 2022 20, maybe we perform along China perform more than more than 70, 70 million of surgical cases this is a huge number 70 million surgical cases. one can expose a larger number of the high quality clinical research publications and research as a researcher we surely do feel the country is investing significant results into both the Czech clinic and also laboratory research in recent years with the development and the deepening neuroscience 
neuroscience molecular biology and artificial intelligence, I'm sure there will be many more good basic research uh, in the future. Uh, and uh, along China, we also support by the government of project of brain in China. It's a very, very big project. Also, a lot of anesthesiologists participate in this project. In a word, I believe the state of the CCR research in China is on the rise. Yeah. It's getting better. I mean, I, th I think, Thanks. you know, given the, the, the very large surgical population and often, uh, you know, very big hospitals. I mean, I don't know how many operating theaters do you have in your hospital in, in Shanghai? In, in my hospital? Yeah. Oh, in my operating rooms, last year we finished 100, 160,000 uh, cases yeah. of surgical cases, 160,000. Yeah. So there's a lot of potential for, a lot of potential for, I think, for good clinical pragmatic research, looking at, you know, perioperative outcomes and so on. Um, you know, evidence-based medicine, uh, perhaps organizing groups to do this in a sort of multi-center basis is a way forward, I think. Uh, Dr. Zhu, what, what do you feel, in, you know, having, you know, been involved in some research and done PhD and so on, is there anything you think that the journals can do to help Chinese researchers? Um, I hope the journal can pay um, more attention to large RCTs involving Chinese participants. Um, this field is experiencing a rapid growth right now. Mm -hmm. um, currently, number of high quality Chinese clinical research does not correspond proportionally to China's vast population. I'm sure there will be more in the future. And so um, I hope more attention can be paid to these studies. And um, these attention will definitely help us enhance research quality and uh, also maximize the utilization of these big patient resources. Well, that's great. And uh, thank you very much indeed. I think uh, that we look forward to seeing more uh, high quality research coming, coming from China and particularly from Shanghai, which is one of my favorite cities in China. Always love to visit Shanghai. And uh, to say thank you very much again to Professor Yang and Dr. Zhu for taking Thanks. part in the discussion. The Anesthesia Podcast. <laughs>